We thank you that what you did on that Friday changed everything for us. It gave us a hope that we can sing about full of joy. It gave us a promise that the day will come and is fast approaching where we get to be home with you and have our tears wiped clean for good by you. We come to you today as people that know the world we live in and we, we know we need the truth that, that we can take refuge in. That's why you're our mighty fortress because we have to go back to that world outside this room even later today. But we do so empowered, inspired, encouraged, and filled with hope that as we keep our eyes on you, that day will come. When the, when the trumps sound and the, and the mighty roar from heaven reveals your back, you came as promised for your people. Help us love you until that day where we will be home with you forever. And we praise you, Jesus, for making it all possible by giving your life and raising from the dead. And every person that knows the, the touch of that truth personally can join their voices with mine and say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Welcome, church. Hey, kids, uh, as your parents are taking a seat, why don't you find your way to the back? And some of you um, would do us a great favor. There's probably ushers are looking for locations for more people to come in. And kids just made more room. So a bunch of them took off and are going to continue the celebration next door. And, um, and we have more to come here. It's a beautiful day. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I have to tell you, that, um, that there's this uh, deep longing in my heart for, uh, for the day we just sang about. And uh, the older I get, you're like, okay, really. Uh, but I'm not what I used to be. And the more I start sounding like my parents and my grandparents, who used to use this weird word, I don't know what it meant, in those days, maybe you did when you were younger, but I've come to appreciate it. It's a, it's a word, Maranatha. And uh, it's Paul. He wrote a letter, and at the end of it, he said, Maranatha. And then he explained, for those of us that don't know that language, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? So we know that that's coming. We know the day of his return, as promised throughout the pages of Scripture, is nearing. It's certainly closer than it was 2,000 years ago when um, he gave his life to make it possible. So as that day nears, I want to say to you, without apology, please uh, be on the bus. You know, give your life to Jesus if you haven't done that. And if you're like, wow, that's, that's saying a lot right out of the gate, I'll say it again and again. If you want to meet afterwards in my office for coffee or tea, I'll say it again there, because that's the only answer I know. So everything I'm going to say today is not a shocker, it's not new, but I, I want to interact with you about some impressions that are probably fresh, and uh, certainly have been fresh in my heart as I 
I prepared them. Because I was thinking about that song, uh, Mighty Fortress is Our God, and we know the, the uh, Martin Luther version of that. But, but I was thinking about um, the, the new version that we, you know, we, 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 we just sang it. I mean, who gets to sing those words, much less say them? We said them, by the way, nine times in that song. With you forever, we will reign. That's not a made-up thing by an artist that went, wow, that's catchy. That's a truth from the Bible that is relevant and uh, reverberates to people filling this room and joining us from other places today. With you forever we will reign. It's wishful thinking, some would say, perhaps, but many of us, I, I listened. Part of the time I didn't sing it, I just listened to this house rumble as you sang it and you didn't unless you faked me out and you did all that just for my sake <laughs> I'm convinced you meant what you just sang amen, amen. I mean I really there was this huge sense with you forever we and some of you were switching the pronoun to me I we will reign because of what you did Jesus um, that's powerful stuff it turns out that a promise made by Jesus long ago was the basis of that song and our hopes that are anchored to uh, the promise that he made to his disciples. Uh, it was the night before Friday, which is Good Friday. It was the last night that he spent with his disciples. It was intimate. There was just, by then, 11. And he spends this evening with them before going to the cross for them. Dinner was done, and a variety of discussions were underway, all of them taking place in what's known as the upper room. Um, and uh, Jesus said it this way to them. And... Uh, Sometimes I imagine what he would do as I prepare to quote his words. They're in the Bible. But I imagine he would say, after I'm done, he would say, you know, it's true. I said that. And it's still true. I meant that. He said this in John 14. Before long, he's talking now just to his disciples in a very intimate, literally moments before his arrest. Time with them. No wonder it's called Last Supper. And he said, before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. That's what he finished in verse 19, just simple words. Notice the contrast. The world will not see me anymore, but you, because I live, will see me again, and you will live. Uh, I've had fun the last couple of weeks with something that I w was very interested in doing for a while. And this Easter came, and I thought, now's the time. So I reached out to people, um, actually uh, over a dozen people in the last few weeks, and I, I asked a simple single question uh, inspired, it, it, it's actually an, a question inspired by those words of Jesus, because I live, you also will live. 
Uh, so my question, my simple one-word question interview was, because he lives, finish the sentence. But before they could speak, I said, you can't finish it the way the song does. <laughs> All right? Uh, because you're not going to listen to anything else I said the rest of this message. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling it? I am. It's always true, always true, and we always sing that. And I thought, don't, don't plan that song, Krista, because I want to sing it. <laughs> and uh, thanks for joining me, and, and it, it, it's good. But I, you can now see why I said you can't finish my question. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow came up all the time. I said, what would you want to say? And th that was it. But here's what they did say, some of the responses. Because he lives... I'm never alone. Because he lives, no matter what comes, I'll be okay. Another, I am forgiven. Another, I can overcome my anxiety. Because he lives, I can live fully now, abundantly. And then, I am free. Because he lives, I am free. So many responded that way. I followed with a, I had a follow-up question. Free from what? And the top answers I got were fear. I am free from fear because he lives. Free from guilt. Free from shame. Free from emptiness. And, and here was one I, I thought interesting. Free from purposeless living. Two said, I have hope because he lives. Three said, I have nothing to fear. Uh, one said, I am heir to so much. And then this surprise. I delight when I face things that are hard. We talked further after that simple response. And it was, it, was, it was a courage that this person had in hard times, remembering Jesus on the cross that night, facing hard times. And it transferred and translated in their life to, I can, I can actually delight when I face hard things. Beautiful words. There's one more response I heard, and I've heard often, and so have you. Uh, it's someone we both know. You work with her, and I live near him. And they often give the same answer. 
If they were to respond honestly right now, I didn't ask any of them to come and say this, and it was to the same question, because Jesus died on a cross for your sins is the bigger question, and rose again from the dead, and because he lives, finish my sentence. Make it personal. Their answer might come with a jolt. Who cares? It's irrelevant to me. Uh, That's the frequently heard response that inspired my Easter message uh, title. Risen. With a shrug, so what? I don't say that to offend anybody I love, and this room's full of people I love. I say that to be honest to some of you that say, so what? You Christians have been worked up about Easter for a long time. What's the deal? Don't take offense, but I don't care. I it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to me. A group of people living at, at the time of Jesus' death pinned their hope entirely on the empty cross and empty tomb. The resurrection, it's called. A whole bunch of those people did that. And, um, and one observer noted it this way. The first Christians staked everything on the resurrection. So much so that the Apostle Paul confessed to the Corinthian church, a group of new believers, baby Christians, in the ancient Greek city of Corinth. The Apostle Paul confessed to those people, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, but there's more, and so is your faith. In other words, it's a spiritual train wreck. It is. It's, it's a terrible outcome. Yet indelibly etched on our calendars by an actual event, Easter was established one Sunday nearly 20 centuries ago. In response to the words I'm going to read to you now, I, I had my pick of places. All four Gospels tell it cleanly and clearly. I'm turned to Mark 16, the second of four Gospels, and it's only seven verses, but it's worth reading now and keep reading in days to come. When the Sabbath was over, Sabbath ends Saturday night at sunset. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Remember, he is dead. Very early on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, just after sunrise, they went on their way to the tomb and they asked each other along the way, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone was in fact rolled away, though it was a very large stone. 
As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and, and they were alarmed. I get that. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you north into Galilee. There you will see him. Keywords here to finish the presentation. You will see him just as he told you. That scene is the reason, folks, for this celebration. It really is. And, and, and it's, it's the very succinct words of the Apostle Paul who would say, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, which means according to the pro predictions in the Old Testament, Christ died for our sins, chapter 15 of the same letter I quoted from earlier. He died for our sins according to the scriptures, then he was buried, then he rose again on the third day, again, according to the scriptures. All of that came about. But there was a, a short time before all that that I want to take us to for just the balance of a couple of minutes. That really frame it for us and, and, and maybe put us in the story rather than observing it from 20 centuries removed. It's a short time before the Sunday that we're celebrating that the Bible records an event where Jesus was summoned to the bedside of a very close friend. I, I don't know if he would call him. He's my best friend, but let's call him that, okay? His name was Lazarus, and I flipped from Mark 16 to John 11, and we'll stay there to the end. So if you want to take it in again freshly, but... Um, a good friend was sick, and, and seriously so. With his two sisters, Mary and Martha, Lazarus lived in Bethany, just a little bit east of Jerusalem. At this time, Jesus was quite a bit east of Jerusalem, down by Galilee, or, uh, excuse me, but down by the Jordan River, the Dead Sea. So at that time of telling this story, Lazarus was really sick, and gravely so, near death. So his sisters summoned Jesus and, and, and wanted, pleaded, requested that he come without delay to touch and heal his friend, but Jesus didn't. And Lazarus died. Then Jesus made a surprising statement to uh, his disciples about why he delayed. We're picking up in verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Circle in your mind the phrase so that you may believe. Would you? Just, just hold on to that. If you're into writing things because they don't stay there very long, that's cool. Write it down. Just circle those words or write them down so that you may believe. And then Jesus arrives. And he was met by Martha, and her questions actually reveal her correct understanding of, of, uh, of uh, a confidence that she had. It, it, was, it was not just correct thinking. It made her 
strong and confident, but it's in verse 21, so drop down the page. Jesus said to her, or Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, verse 21. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So they have this first moment. Jesus arrives. Her brother Lazarus is gone. And in this moment, she makes a pretty sweeping statement. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's saying uh, she believed that Jesus could have healed her brother and didn't. And then she adds, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She believed that Jesus in that moment could resuscitate her brother. That's what she's saying here. And Jesus then makes a bold pronouncement in verse 33. Martha, your brother will rise again. Uh, To which Martha answers, I know that, verse 24. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I get that, Lord. And Jesus responded, giving the ultimate, if I can put it in my terms, the ultimate answer to my sermon title, my message question. Risen. So what? Answer. So you can live forever. Verse 24, 25 came his answer. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe that? He says to Martha. Um, Believe what? In this moment, do you believe that? Believe that he is both the resurrection and the life, I think is what Jesus is getting at. Believe that he and he alone is the savior of the world and believe that that he is the only one who can guarantee what he's saying, what he's offering, eternal life to anyone. There's no time stamp on this. It's today too. And it's been every day since then. Believing that, that he can make good on a promise to bring eternal life to all, any, you, me, who believe. Uh, I'm not, I don't rarely, uh, I, I rarely talk about grammar things from a pulpit. How many fell asleep in grammar in school? That's why. I'm like, no, 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 no. But there is something in his words in verse 25 that, really, it's so simple, okay? It's not going to lose you. But he mentions a a single, um, single word twice. He said, I, it's called the definite article, by the way. Gives you a little hint. I am the resurrection and, say it, say it with me, say it, the life, Right? He didn't say, I am one of the many ways you can choose from to live forever. He didn't say that. 
If you need clarity on that, earlier, or actually a little bit later, it was that same night though, he says to, um, to the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's not an arrogance there. There's an honesty there that simply says this is, this is true. And I would help you uh, more to tell you the truth than to give you a piece of uh, feel-good news right now, but it won't do you any good later. That's the truth. So you're talking, we are talking, I'm presenting, I almost said fresh, it's fresh today for us, but it's, it's, a, it's eternally true that Jesus is the resurrection and he is the life. And that's, that makes him the, the savior that offers salvation. That's what saviors do. Only he's the only one that can make good on it. Now, here's a reality check, and I, I just want to be forthright, okay? Uh, full disclosure right now. Others have made that same claim. Follow me. Do what I say. Um, trust me, I guess they might say. And you will live forever. Uh, one of them is who I want to tell you about. And I know this from a mausoleum in Moscow's Red Square, where the embalmed remains of Vladimir Lenin lie and have been uh, passed by uh, millions and viewed by people since the time of his passing. Uh, it's a crystal casket that his remains are in. For people to file by and pay attention, you say, why would that, Matt, why? Why would they do that? Because on the plaque of his casket is a saying that reads, for he was the greatest leader of all people of all time. He was, stay with me, the Lord of a new humanity. He was the Savior of the world. Can Google it and fact check me. It's there. That tribute, and I probably the way I read it tips my hand a bit. It was written in past tense, wasn't it? He was the greatest leader of all time. He was the Lord of the new humanity. He was the Savior of the world. Now, contrast that with Jesus Christ's words to Martha and anybody that will listen. I am. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. There's power in those words. By the way, Martha's answer, the very next verse, yes, Lord. After saying that, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into the world for this purpose. I believe that. As with the first Christians in Jesus' day who staked much on the resurrection of Jesus, she clearly had, and many, many, many do today. Many. 
So I will ask without assumption. Do you? Would you put your name next to hers in verse 27? Yes, Lord, I believe. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important question. You've probably answered it. And at times, if you're like some honest friends of mine, wondered, did it take? Did it work? Am I in or out? If I breathe my last today, if I turn for home right now, what? So I'll ask you again, do you believe that? And if you believe that, what I'm about to tell you will make you secure in that belief. Maybe more than you've been in a while. I came across a couple of takeaway statements from what we're reading here, and I think they're worth passing along because they're, they're takeaways for all who believe, as Martha believed, okay? So the first one is this. Jesus' resurrection shows that he is a promise keeper. He talked about what we've just read about and sung about quite a bit, actually. It, there was no one that went, huh? How did that sneak by? It was actually stated again and again. Uh, so he, he was a promise maker, and Sunday made him a promise keeper. And that's huge. He said that he would rise on the third day. One of the most standout moments was when he and Peter had that little chat. Who do people say that I am? And Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, Pete. And you know what's going to happen there? I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise again on the third day. You know what Peter did? No way! By the way, he wasn't saying, no way, you're not coming back. No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, don't let any, I will not let anybody near you. But Jesus told him that. Part Peter was saying no way to is, I, I, he, he missed the last part. I will rise again on the third day. Um, he said he would rise on the third day so we can, because he did, trust him. Here's the deal. To keep 100% of his promises. Man, I hope that makes some of you just go get my Bible. I need to freshen up. I want to go deep. I want to hold on to these things. I want, to, I want to review everything promised to me because the same one that made the promise that he would rise again did and the same one made numerous promises that he will keep. That's a great takeaway to fortify your faith in something that's none of us were here when it happened. Here's a second. Jesus' resurrection gives us assurance that we too will rise again because we believe in him and because we belong to him. We will rise again. Just You don't have to turn there. I just want to say this to a lot of people I know that have in sorrow said goodbye to loved ones. Paul's first letter to a church uh, in northern Greece called Thessalonica and he said this because a very, few, a very 
few short years after his resurrection, people were already going, I don't get it. I'm not sure. Maybe we missed it. Maybe, maybe that wasn't true. And this came out of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. According to the Lord's word, remember the promises? According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, and I interject, that's 100% of us in this room. You're still alive, and he hasn't come back yet. Okay, now you're in, all right? All of us who are still alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, meaning died in the Lord. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. This is the takeaway. You won't miss it. <laughs> and the dead in Christ will rise First, after that, we who are standing there with our mouths wide open, uh, that's my words, but uh, we who are standing there, still alive and left, will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will too be with him forever. Amen? Does that make you just ready, set, let's go. Um, hey man, hallelujah, Alberta, you wonderful person. Here's a third. And this is this is for later today. This is daily living. Jesus' resurrection came about by the power of God. It's a power move. Same God that spoke the world into existence is the same God that will smoke the world one day with a word. It's also the God that said, rise, and it happened. That is power. Jesus' resurrection was a result of the power of God, and when we believe in him for our salvation, his spirit moves in to live within us who say, I believe. And because we believe, that same spirit will bring with him the power, the power that we need to help us live for him every day in every way we can. Don't try that on your own in your own strength because it won't work out. And you'll be frustrated and you might be tempted to just take your toys and go home. Don't do that. But know that when you say, I believe, Jesus, I believe, he will come to live inside of you. And by that power that raised Jesus from the dead, he will help you live for him. Christ died for all people, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, so that we who live and believe in him would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. The power that you and I need to pull that off is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Can I get an amen? That's a huge, it's 100% personal. That's your takeaway and mine. Everything we're told to do, and some of them are just towering huge. How can I do that? Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, you want to you walk with me? You want to Take my hand and let's go. 
you got to do a couple of things that are going to take more power than you've got. You've got to deny you. Our world says, no, it's all about you. Ah, uh, sorry, Apple, it's not I, it's he, him. Okay? So you've got to deny yourself. That doesn't come easy. You've got to take up your cross. That's like impossible on your own and follow him. That's, that's what it's about. And you have the power because of his resurrection. So here we are on another Easter contemplating a single word, risen. Uh, risen and the many implications of risen, of the resurrection of Jesus in our lives. I, I feel compelled to say this final statement, really. It's a statement. Because I'm, I'm a, I've become way more transparent. I'm, I'm not worried about offending, though I've never set out to offend. But the truth is, um, with what we've just discussed, talked about, I'm looking at my Bible and pondered, it's, it's, it's likely that um, there's two different responses to it. I think I've been fairly convincing. I'm convinced. But, but maybe that's not enough for you. And uh, I, I have a favorite author, Philip Yancey, who uh, wrote the book, The Jesus I Never Knew. He's a guy that grew up in church and then one day in his adult life went, I'm not sure I got it right. And then he discovered Jesus again for the first time. You know somebody like that? But he frames some very compelling thoughts. And he, with a tone of frankness, says, like everything else in Jesus' life, the resurrection drew forth contrasting responses. Those who believed were transformed, infused with, with hope and with courage, and they went out to change the world. We know about them. Maybe you're one of them. But those who did not believe found ways to ignore strong evidence. Jesus had predicted as much, saying, if, you, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, then they will neither be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So with similar candor, I, I'm done. But I need to ask you, do you believe? Are you a Christian? The simple truth is, you can't be without a Savior can't be. Others have tried to be. Yes, I'm a Christian. And their path to being a Christian is nowhere in the Bible. It's things like I'm good or a relative statement that you hear a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than that dude. 
So the simple truth is you can't answer yes to that question. Are you a Christian? Without a Savior. And there's only one Savior. Jesus Christ. The resurrection. And the life. And he knocks on the door of your heart and he waits for you and me to fling open the door of faith and say, I don't have it together. I don't have it figured out. I have questions galore, but I believe. And when that happens, and he knows, he's the one that needs to know your heart, it will happen. And your belief will result in your salvation. And the joy in the house of the Lord, it'll be yours in your heart. I'd like you to bow your heads with me and you at home. Would you do the same right now? Just quiet other distractions. Would you please do this for this final moment? Because I want to lead in prayer. If you happen to be one of those people that You've heard a lot, but it's just not convincing. But for something's happening in you right now, you feel some movement. Can I give the movement that you're feeling a name? It's the Holy Spirit saying, it's time. Today is your day to pray, to believe, to be saved, and to become one of mine for all of eternity you're sensing that right now, I just have a simple prayer. There's not magic in my words. I don't save anybody. But these, these words will bring you into a permanent relationship with Jesus. So if that's you right now in the house or some, some other house, would you pray, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. It's just you saying that to him right now. Please give me your life, Jesus, eternal life. And starting today, give me a new heart to live for you in the power of your Holy Spirit who will now live in me. you prayed that prayer today I want to say it and I mean it welcome to the family of God you have a new eternal father and a savior named Jesus and we're going to get to hang out in heaven someday and you'll get to tell about this day my greatest longing for you is that this Easter and for every one of your remaining days, you'll complete the sentence. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I know he holds my life, my future in his hands. Let's stand together and sing that song that is true for us.